0: Genesis 1 1 Genesis 2 3 King James version in the beginning God created heaven and earth and the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters and God said let there be light and there was light and God saw the light that it was good from the waters which were above the firmament, and it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. And God said, let the waters unto the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together Unto one place, and let the dry land appear, and it was so. And, God called, oh, and the gathering together of the waters he called seeds, and God saw that it was good. And God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, the earth yielding seed, and the fruit tree yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass an herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit, whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of heaven, to divide day from night, and let them be for signs, and for seasons, and for days, and years. And let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven To give light upon the earth And it was so And God made two great lights The greater light to rule the day And the lesser light to rule the night He made the stars also And God set them in the firmament of heaven To give light upon the earth And to rule over day and over the night and to divide the light from darkness. And God saw that it was good. And the evening and the morning were the fourth day. And God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life and fowl that may fly above the earth and the open firmament of heaven. And God created whales and every living creature that moveth with Which the waters brought forth abundantly, and after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind, and God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful and multiply, and bring and fill the waters in the seas, and let the fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping men and beasts of the earth after his kind. And it was so. And God made the beasts of the earth after his kind and the cattle after their kind and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God said, and God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image and the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God saw, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed which is upon the face of all the earth and every tree in which it is the fruit of, yielding, of a tree, yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat. And to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so. And God saw everything he had made And behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. And of the seventh day, God ended his work which he he had made, and he rested on the seventh day from all which he had made. And God blessed the seventh day and sanctified it, because that in, it, that in it, he had rested from all that which he had God created, made, God had made. Amen. Amen. At this time
1: we're we'll going to dismiss our children for the children's ministry. If you're ages 1st grade, you're the sprouts, if you are ages 2nd grade and 6th grade, uh, you may go to seedlings and you are dismissed. As the kids are going, I want to remind you that um, next week we're having a community day, which after church, we're going to have a family fun festival for kids. And all the kids are going to want to come and bring their friends. And there's going to be face painting and hot dogs and all kinds of wonderful stuff just celebrating the goodness of God and what he's given to us. So uh, we have flyers for you to help us get the word out. So I'm going to give you these before you leave this morning and ask you to take as many as possible and to um, join us in spreading the word, letting the community know that we're here because we want to celebrate Goodness, and we want to celebrate um, the life that God has given to us. Amen. 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 So, how are you all doing this morning? Good. 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 Didn't Jerome do did a nice job? Gotta get some of the good boys to do that kind of stuff. That's good. That's very, very good. Amen. Um, the creation story. I wanted to begin a series on some of the great stories of the Bible. Uh, summertime is always a good story time, right? I don't know if you remember, but they used to do the summer reading program at the library and all the little prizes they give out. I love that. So. I thought about there are great stories in the Bible, and there are stories that everyone kind of knows of, even if they don't know the story, right? Like, people know the story of creation, the one we began with, right? But if you read the whole thing, there's probably some things in there that you didn't notice. Even Jerome probably said, oh, that's interesting, because when we don't get into the story, we forget some of the details. Like, when you're reading a great story or watching a favorite movie, and you remember things, you're like, oh, yeah, that was in it. And it brings kind of this awareness to you. So this summer, what I wanted to do was take some of the great stories of the Bible, And they're great, great stories. And they've been around for a long, long time. And I wanted us to just enjoy getting into the story, getting inside of it, right? And most of you know that when you're going for a story, like a book or, say, a movie or or something like that, it's the beginning that grabs you, right? The beginning's got to grab you. I mean, if after a little while you're starting to get bored and you don't know what's going on, Oh, you know, what? then sometimes you're wondering if you should stay with it, right? If you should do it. But sometimes there's an opening, there's a beginning, right? That just kind of grabs our attention. So what I wanted to do this morning is, I wanted to think about some of the great opening lines in history. Can we do that for a minute? Can you do that with me, all right? So we're going to do a little fun quiz this morning, all right? And if you get this right, Pastor Rosalie has a prize for you at the welcome table. I don't know what it is, but she's got it. She's got something to get it right, right? Just go, okay, so... Famous opening lines. We're going to start with literature, right? I was about to ask, is there anybody in here that reads? But I would just be discouraged if nobody raised their hand. So I'm going to challenge you all to read. Right? i got a bunch of readers in this room. I know i got readers in this room, right? So what book is this opening line from? It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. Right there. Tale of Two Cities. All right. Right. This one, a little bit harder, all right? It was a dark and stormy night. Wow, there's actually a book that begins that
0: <laughs>
1: It was a dark and stormy night. Yes, wrinkle in time, very good, all right. Wrinkle <clears> in <throat> time. And this one, I know somebody's gonna get this, because some of you read this book and watch this movie like too many times. Well, it is the truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. Pride President. Prejudice! Yeah! Right there, right there. All right. So, now some of you are into movies, right? Anybody into movies here? So I'm going to give you a movie ones. okay? The first one should be fairly easy. You might have to go back to your childhood just a little bit. Mr. and Mrs. Dursley of number four Privet I'm proud to say perfectly normal. Thank you very much. Harry Potter, right? Harry Potter. Okay. Now this one, this one's a little older. This is for people maybe in my age, my generation. All right, John, you ready for this? John, you might get this, John, you just might. Here it comes, ready? I'm 36 years old, I love my family. What? Did somebody say it already? Wow, you're like that progressive commercial where you keep cutting in on the guy. I'm 36 years old, I love my family, I love baseball, and I'm about to become a farmer. But until I heard the voice, I had never done it. Fill the, Fill the dreams. dreams! Fill the dreams, all right, all right. And finally, the last one, you ready? Opening line from this movie. The world has changed. I feel it in the water. I feel it in the earth. I smell it in the air. Much that once was is now lost. For none now live who remembers. Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings, yes! yes, yes, all right. Give yourselves a hand, give yourselves a hand. You guys can bring it So to that end... The opening prologue to the Bible, to the Hebrew scriptures, to Genesis, which Genesis means beginnings, origins. I think it has one of the most famous lines in all of literature and all of the earth, right? And we all know it. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, right? In the beginning, God. In the beginning. So we begin with this story because it's the first story in the book about beginnings in the book about the Bible. And so I wanna look at the creation story this morning as Jerome has recited it for us. In the beginning. Now, of course, you've gotta understand right off the bat that this story is different because who was there to actually see what was happening? God, (laughs) right? In the beginning, God. There was nothing else. There weren't people sitting around writing about it. There weren't people Snapchatting about it. There was no one there to record it. So whatever we know is God has revealed it to us what happened in that time and in that place. And I think what I want to kind of turn things upside down for this morning. And the reason I had Jerome read it for us this morning. Because Jerome is not just a great man with a beautiful voice. He is a poet. And what he read is poetry. And if we're going to understand anything about this, we need to understand that we're looking at it through the lens of poetry. But what some Christians have done is they've made the mistake of starting on the bottom. And they've said that we're going to look at this through the lens of science. Can I just set us all at ease this morning? The Bible is not a science textbook. And this is not a piece of science. For, for, we don't even have the, they didn't even have the language that we have of science. They didn't have the methods that we have. They didn't have the scientific advancements. So no way was someone going to sit down and write about it from this very technical, scientific point of view unless God were to reveal it to them and to give them the language. But if God had given them the technological language of our day, nobody would have understood it. And God wasn't about just putting something down that people would have a hard time understanding for thousands of years until we arrived at the point we're at today where maybe we could understand it. And you've got to think back and remember, there wasn't even this stuff. There wasn't even paper, right? Until much later on. There wasn't even a way to write things down that we have today. So what did they do? If they wanted to pass these stories on, they needed to memorize it. They needed to speak it out loud, which is why I wanted you to hear it out loud this morning. If you were the people of Israel, the children of God, thousands of years ago, you would not have had a phone to get out. You would not have had a Bible to church. to. But somebody, the poet, the bard, would have stood up in the assembly of the people and said, listen to the story of our beginnings. Listen to the origins of this world. And when you're doing it that way, you need to create something that's memorable, right? You need to create something with rhythm, with cadence. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And there was evening and there was morning the third day. And God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good. And God saw that it was good And so you get to the end. And God saw that it was very good. There's a beauty. There's a structure. There's a rhythm. There's a cadence to this beautiful poem of the origins of human existence. Of life in the universe itself. So science and the Bible are not at odds. People want to make it that way, but they're not. They're not at odds. What is first being told is that God created the world. The real thing that we struggle with, right, is believing in God or that there is no God. But what this is telling us is that in the beginning, there was God, God before everything else, right? As Pastor J.L. said last week, and he did a beautiful job preaching it for us last week, he said God is above science. God created science. Science is simply our way of understanding and putting language to what God has designed and created, right? But God is above science. God can do things any way he wants, amen? Can I get an amen on that? God can do anything, any way he wants, right? He stands above it. He's not bound by rules and systems. He's the one that creates the rules and the systems. So we're talking about a God who is above science. And we must begin with God. That's what the Bible challenges us. All you have to read is that one sentence. If that's the only sentence you ever got in your life, in the beginning, God. That's what you need to know. That's what you need to believe. Everything in your life flows from that. Do you believe in God? Or do you believe that there's nothing? It says that in the beginning there was God. And he hovered over the nothingness, the abyss. And here are some of the things why we shouldn't approach it first through the lens of science, right? Because it brings up all kinds of questions. There was nothing in the beginning, right? But it says the spirit hovered over the waters. So where do the waters come? What kind of waters are we talking about? So you begin to see that we're in the land land of poetry. We're not in the land of science. God creates light on the first day, but he doesn't create the sun until the fourth day. What kind of light was going on? Like some divine LED? What was happening? There was no sun yet, right? But on the fourth day, the sun and the moon are created.
0: Which brings me to this. We had three days.
1: Well, there was no sun and moon. So how do we know how long those days were? Because we measure our days by the sun and the moon. You see, when we try to get too literal with this, we miss the power of the poetry that is in it. We miss the power of what God is really trying to say. So then we also come at it through this lens of history, right? And we say, this is what happened. And we as Christians and the Jewish people, we believe that this is what happened. But history gets told in different ways. It's not a history that's concerned with dates and facts and figures. It's not a history that can go back and find the eyewitnesses and compare their accounts and see what actually happened. Because no one was there but God. But it's a history that is told through art. And art tells a kind of history in a certain way that the textbooks don't. So yes, Genesis is history, but it's history told through poetry in this narrative. Not history that's told through a textbook. Do you understand what I'm talking about, what I'm talking about? Last week, my wife and I had the privilege of being in Chicago, doing the wedding of a very dear friend of mine. Uh, that's why we couldn't be here last week. We had a chance to go to the museum. And I love going to the museum because you can see the history in a museum, right? It's not the detailed history of a textbook, but it's looking at a picture that someone has painted. And through that picture, it tells us something about history. And it speaks to us in ways that the textbook can't. But the textbook speaks to us in ways that is different from the painting. Both give us a window into history. But the window into history from Genesis 1 is through poetry, is through art. Let me give you another example. We know that part of our history in America, part of what we're dealing with today, right, in our race relations, is the history of lynching and what was done to African Americans in the South throughout our history, right? And you can read about that in a book. And you can begin to understand what that was like and what that was about, right? And then if you want a a perspective that I think brings in our faith into it, there's a great book called God and the Lynching Tree. And I encourage you to read that. And that will give you insight into that historical thing. But then there is a song sung by Billie Holiday. And if you remember nothing else today, go home and look up this song. It's called Strange Fruit. Strange Fruit hanging from the tree. And when you listen to that, that truth of history will enter into your soul in a little bit different way. And in Genesis... What is being described is a God who is beyond description. A God who did something so cosmic and so amazing as He created the heavens and the earth that we literally don't have the language. We don't have the language to describe what God does and how He does it. So we try. We use the words that we have. We use what we know. We paint a picture of God speaking things into existence in a rhythm, and in a cadence. And if, there's, if it's going to teach us anything about history, we must first come at it through the lens of poetry. If it's going to teach us anything about science, and I believe it's very little about science at this point, then it's going to come through poetry. So we must begin that this is poetry. And then what is the main point of Genesis? What is the main point of this creation story? Why do we talk about how the world was created? Because it's about relationships. And it's always about relationship with God. It's about the God who created the world and everything that he created and us and our relationship with God and our relationship to the things that he has created. And that's the point of Genesis, my friends, is to teach us about how we began. It's the story of God and it's the story of us. And it's about how we're supposed to live in right relationship with God, with each other, and with what he has made. So the very first thing, that this narrative teaches us is that in the beginning there was, everybody say it, God. In the beginning there was? God. All right, you're still with me, good. In the beginning was God. And it's very interesting because God exists above and outside of everything that's created. Now other people, other than the ancient Hebrews, had stories about how the world was created, but their stories were different. They took the created things and they made them into gods. So there was the sun god, and there was the moon god, and there was the god of the sea, and there was the god of the storm. And those were the gods that created the world often through conflict, often through battles with each other, and they tried to explain that this is how the world was created. All of the different gods who were really represented in nature had created the world, right? But along comes this story... And this group of people, these Israelites that say, we believe in a God that is above all of that. In a God that was not part of nature, but in a God that rules over nature. And has created each and everything that we see in this universe. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It was God. And it was God alone. There was no one else. It was God. There was not a Mr. and Mrs. God that got together and created the world. There was God and God alone. There wasn't a God fighting the gods of these gods. No, no. There was God. And he created everything. And he created it because of his design. I mean, you just got to look at the world, right? Just look at the world and see the design of the world. Look at it and say, man, there must be a God. I've been talking to you about this. Get outside, look at nature and say, there's got to be a God. Or did this all just happen by chance? You see, I, I believe that we've, we've advanced in this day and age for the most part. Beyond the idea that there are other gods, right? I mean, most people are not worshiping still a sun god or a moon god. Although that's possible. But for the most part, the people we're talking with and the places where we live, it's not a question of God or other gods. It's a question of God or no God. I think that's the big question people have today. Did God create it? Or what did God not create See, So you've got to understand, sometimes we try to make the Bible answer questions it doesn't want to answer. Can I get real for a moment with well, some of my Christians this morning? It doesn't want to tell us how old the earth is. It wants to tell us who the earth, And that's a different question, isn't it? Doesn't want to tell us how old the earth is. Because again, we know now that time is flexible, right? That time bends. It's based on your reference point. There's a fluidity to time that we understand. And again, for the first three days, we didn't even have a sun and moon. So you got to just let those go if you're, if you're trying to figure out how long everything is, right? I mean, there's a way in which, yes, there could be an answer to that question but Genesis wants to say it's God who created it that's the first thing no other gods and God can do it any way he wants didn't we already say that so we don't have to get into false arguments and debates that really go nowhere you want to believe in one way of it do it you want to believe in another way my question is do you believe God did God do it? was God involved somehow some way and is it consistent with the God that is revealed in the scriptures It was God who created and God alone. And you'll notice the second thing that Genesis teaches. And I believe these are the two most important things. It's where we have to begin. We may dig down to the deeper levels of questions. Hear me carefully. I'm not dismissing all of our questions. I'm saying let's begin with the most important questions, and then work our way down. So number one, God created it. Number two, he created it good. Notice that he said everything was good. Everything was good, right? So why is there evil in the world? That's that's another big question, right? How can God exist if there's evil in the world? Because you're telling me right now that God created everything good. That the earth is supposed to be good. That humanity is supposed to be good. But there's a lot of evil in this world. So where does this evil come from? Well, I believe that Genesis teaches us that evil does not come from God. Evil, God is not the author of evil, nor does he create evil. The evil acts that are perpetrated upon this earth are not from God. Where does evil come from then? It comes from a choice that his creation makes. Begin first with Satan. He was an angel. He and other angels chose to go against God. They chose to say, we are more important than God. They rebelled in their pride and evil was created as a result of their choice. It continued on for when God created the world... And he created man and woman and placed them in the garden and told them that they couldn't eat from a certain tree. And they decided that they would. Evil was created by their actions. And catch this. You know what it was that led them to that? They didn't believe that God was good. It's all about the goodness of God. Because if God tells me not to do something and I go ahead and do it, what I'm saying is, God, I don't really trust you. I think it's going to be good for me to do this. And you're telling me not to. Therefore, you must not be good. You must not want me to enjoy life. You must not want me to be happy. How many people have thought that? That God doesn't want them to be happy. That God doesn't want good things for them. That God's just mean. That God's trying to constrict my life. That religion and church just constrict my life. Well, that is a lie of the enemy. And when we choose to go against the God who is ultimate goodness, then that choice creates evil just like Satan's choice, creating evil in the world. And because of free will, because we're not robots, hallelujah, I don't want nobody controlling me like a robot. Right? We're all scared of robots, right? All those movies about robots taking over the world, nobody wants that, right? We want free will. We want to be able to choose. And because of that, there remains the possibility, and unfortunately the reality, that what we choose against God, against good, will create evil. Now this is one of those big questions, right? Why, if God, God doesn't create evil, God, hear me clearly, God does not create evil. But then why does God allow evil things to happen if he can stop it, right? Oh man, we're getting some deep questions today, aren't we? Why does God allow evil? That's a deep question that I don't have time this morning to answer. I don't even know if I have the capacity I don't think anybody does, to answer in its fullness. But can I give you just a little bit? Can I give you just a little lens of a way that God has allowed my mind to try to comprehend why he allows evil to exist in this world? Can you guys read what's on my screen there? Go ahead. Someone, can I get a volunteer to read the next point? No, that's great. no, no, no there's words up there. No, there's words. I, come on, somebody read it. Can somebody read the words? Do you, do you, how many of you believe that there's words up there? Like one person, too, all right? You know why you can't see the words? Because the letters are in white. And it's on a white background. And if everything was light, how would I understand who God was? If everything was light, if everything was good, would I as a human, as a created being, understand who God is. For if I bring in a different background, hopefully, now you can read the words, right? The words were there, I just brought in a different background. You see, it's the darkness, the contrast, the shadow that allows us to see the light. That's the way we're created, amen? That's the way we're created. I don't understand it fully, but I know this is how we live. And I don't think it'll be this way forever. I don't. The Bible, again, in poetry, in the book of Revelation at the end, talks about things that are so hard to comprehend because they're of God. But he says, listen, there'll come a time when there's a new kind of light. (laughs) And there's not going to be a need for night any longer. But in this time... From the creation to the new heaven and the new earth, we live in a time where we will understand God, we will understand goodness, we will understand light as it contrasts to the shadow, to the darkness, to the evil. So that we are in a time of learning about how magnificent God is, how wonderful God is, how good God is, and to the next point, how good he has created you and created me. For yes, because evil was chosen, because evil was created and we fed into evil, there's a corruption. It's not the way that it's supposed to be. But God in his infinite wisdom has said, you know what? I'm going even though that happens, I'm going to take it. And even though there's going to be pain, and he, he said that, when we, when we sinned, he said there's going to be pain, there's going to be suffering, things are not going to be the way I had originally intended them to be, but I'm going to use it. And I'm going to bring you through so that you will understand who I am and you will trust in me. And the choice we have, friends, is that we know that in this world there is light and there is shadow, right? And we can sit here and talk about the shadow all we want. We can sit here and try to analyze the shadow, analyze the darkness, analyze the evil in the world, right? But there remains at some point for each and every person that decision, will you live in the shadow or will you walk into the light? And for those that are working in the shadow this morning, those who are working for justice, those who are working for goodness in this world, let me encourage you that the most powerful thing God has given you is the light. It's His presence, His love, His power. And if you want to remove some of the shadows, then bring the light into the places where it needs to go. For you see, God created us different than everything else. What Jerome read us is that God created us in His image. We reflect the image of God. This is the story of us. We reflect the image of God. And then he said, rule over creation. In other words, take care of it. And that's still our responsibility. Our responsibility is to create because we were created to create. And we have the ability now to create life or create death. So use your creative ability to create life. We're called to create, we are called to rule, to bring justice, flourishing, well-being for every single person. We're supposed to take care of the earth. What happens is in our sin and in our evil, we only want to take care of ourselves. Instead of taking care of everyone else, we should do what's good for us and what's good for everybody else. We should be concerned about every single person that God has created. Why have we forgotten that as Christians? And said, well, these people, they don't matter as much because they come from somewhere else. Or these people, they don't matter as much because they look different than me. Or these people, they don't matter as much And the list goes on and on and on and on But God said in the beginning, take care of my earth. Take care of the animals. Take care of the oceans. Take care of the land. Take care of the trees and the plants. And as you multiply and have children and children and children, take care of them. Take care of all of the people that you create, that I've created. And we're still supposed to do that. And it's hard because of sin. And it's hard because of the curse of sin. But that doesn't mean that God doesn't want us to use his power to make a difference in this world. And that's what I hope each and every one of us will be, feel that inspiration this morning. And again, to my creative people, art is powerful in the ways that everything else isn't. I feel like today, I do, I feel in my spirit today that God's calling some people to do some creative things that you've been putting on hold. God is calling you to write something. God is calling you to paint something. God is calling you to sing something. God's calling you to create. God is calling you to create life. Maybe it's even a program. Maybe it's even a system. Maybe it's even a new way of doing things. Maybe it's a community. Maybe it's we're in the midst of kind of recreating our youth group and our youth ministry right now. God is calling us to create, to create something new, right? And is there anybody here this morning that's ready to create something new? We were made from the dust and do we feel a little dusty this morning? Does anybody feel a little dusty? Does anybody feel worn out? Does anybody feel weary? Because you've been creating and somehow people have told you stop creating. Stop being creative. Or maybe you've been working hard for something and it's been frustrating and you don't seem to be able to get anywhere and it doesn't seem to be able to make a difference because there's so much evil and there's so much sadness and there's so much darkness in the world. Does anybody else feel that this morning? Anyone. Here's what I want to end with. And on the seventh day, seven, God rest and enjoy everything you can do. Friends, I feel like God's is calling us to his rest this morning. To rest. The rest. It reminds us that God is God and that we are not It reminds us that as hard as we work, our energy and our resources are limited. It reminds us that God has already accomplished some things, right? That we should celebrate and that we should rejoice in. Amen? Amen. And sometimes we just need to stop and take a breath and just receive the goodness of God, Have you ever stopped in one of the beautiful parks that there's many that are here in Hartford? In your frustration with the city of Hartford, have you ever just gone into a park and stopped and just thanked God for the beauty of his creation? Have you ever stopped and had a conversation with someone and listened to their story? Some of you do that for me. On Sunday morning throughout the week, you encourage me. I talk with you, I meet with you, and, and I see the beauty of your spirit. And I say, God is already at work. Resting reminds us to enjoy and appreciate what God has already done. And that it's God's strength that will help us do what remains. That we won't do it by our own strength. But we'll do it in the power and in the spirit of God. That's what today is for, is to rest in the Lord. To be restored, to be renewed. You know, and if you need, need, sometimes you just need to come and not even have to do anything and just come and just experience the presence of the Lord. Experience His goodness. Celebrate. And I encourage you to extend that. You know, the taking a day of Sabbath, taking a day of rest, taking a day off, it's one of the best ideas that God ever came up with. (laughs) And God did it Himself. God said, I didn't create this just to create it. I didn't do it just to do it, right? But I created this and I'm going to sit back and look at it and enjoy it. And so many of us have a hard time doing that because our minds race us on to the next thing, right? Today, maybe God is saying, hey, why don't you just stop? Take a rest. Take a look with me at all of the beauty that I have created in your life. And today is a day But if you long for more of the presence of God, God wants to to meet you today in a powerful way. This morning...